So before we jump in, I just, I just want to give you a little bit of a tip, a little bit of a tip that I speak to clients about all the time. And it's, it's the new year. I'm sure there's tons and tons of hype floating around you about, you know, how you can be new year, new you, you know, that kind of mentality. But here's the deal is new year, new you, new you has to do with you slowing down long enough to be able to make the decisions that are best for you, for you to actually sit down and you will hear today's guest speak a little bit about this. Take the time to just ask yourself the question, you know, what does my ideal day look like? If it's a year from now and it's, it's this time next year, a new year, new you chatter is coming around again. What do I need to do between now and then to get to my ideal state and that picture of what I want my life to look like? And that's going to be very individualized to you, friend. So please take the time, not just to kind of, you know, set the everyday expectations and or resolutions rather that you always set or not to measure yourself up against somebody, but just set some time to be alone with you. And on that note, I am jumping in with the incredible Elena Armijo. Let's go. Ever found yourself teetering on the edge of throwing in the towel? You know, asking yourself questions like, is this supposed to be this hard? Or is it even possible to succeed at this entrepreneur thing? I completely get it because I built my successful businesses while juggling major health issues for my children and myself, debt piling up to my eyeballs and so much more. Want to know how the hell I succeeded and how you can too? Tune in to find out. Here we go. Hey there, entrepreneur, and welcome to today's show. I am here with the beautiful Elena Armijo. She is a professional certified coach, a member of the ICF or International Coaching Federation, for those of you who don't know what that is, a certified Dare to Lead facilitator. And, you know, what I love about her too is that she has a strong track record of supporting clients and organizations to create real impact, like a real one, folks, um, <laughs> make some culture shifts and, you know, create some leadership development programs in there too. And she was inspired to become an executive and leadership coach through her work as a professional opera singer. Wait till you hear how that ties in folks. And when she's not traveling domestically and internationally for speaking engagements and workshops, she lives with her partner, Aaron, and their three sweet puppies. So Elena, thank you so much for being with me here today. Uh, thank you, Michelle. That's an awesome intro. Thank oh, you. Good, 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 good. I try, you know, I have some awesome people on here. You got to give credit where credit's <laughs> due, right? Um, all right. So let's jump in. I mentioned in your bio, the opera singing, but give us kind of a snapshot of your journey as it is leading up to today, especially around any adversity or resilience that you can, you can throw in there for our folks. Yeah. Well, I love music. I mean, since I was little, I remember my mom showed me a picture, you know, the classic picture. I think we all have one of these maybe where, you know, like you're singing in your hairbrush and next yeah. to the TV. I hear this story often. So I'm like, I don't know that it's that unique <laughs> that we have that, but um, I, I fell in love with music. And so I had a family that um, even though we were, we were not extremely rich, uh, we had enough means to put, put me through some, some music lessons, you know, with piano yeah. and singing and all yeah. the things. So I kind of just uh, followed my heart in, in music into the school system. 
And as is typical for some musicians, uh, you know, everybody just kept encouraging me to keep going. Right. So, so what ended up being a love was sort of gently um, caressed into a business, you know, and that, that happened through high school and my undergrad and my master's degree. Um, I grew up in Las Cruces, New Mexico, which is a, a actually multicultural, diverse place for, for how small it is. Yeah. And arts were, were definitely something that we were encouraged to take a part of. So all good there, you know, living life as a small town girl, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> having, nice. having fun in music. Um, even as I went to do my master's degree in Seattle and lived there for three years, it was sort of stepping out into the world a little bit more. Yeah. Um, and again, I, I always had this deep desire to teach music, not really perform it, but everybody kept saying, keep going, keep going. Yeah. You've got a great yep. gift. You've got to do it. Yep. You got to get out there. You know, I don't, I don't know if you feel this way, but the line was, you know, God gave you a gift. So you oh, yeah. use it. Yep. <laughs> nothing, <laughs> like, nothing like feeling guilty over that. Right. <laughs> some shame. Throwing like, some shame thanks, right in there. I, think. Yeah. I don't even know if Keep I want going. to use it, but thanks God for that layer of guilt. Yeah. No, no, no. I know exactly what you're saying. <laughs> So um, that that eventually found me uh, going to New York because I think all all roads lead through New York when exactly. you're a singer, especially yeah. in opera. Um, and I got there in my early 20s. And, you know, I like to tell this story because it, it really is, you know, my father, my mother and father are very different. My mother is sort of like this free spirit, hippie vibe kind of woman who's always been like, let her follow her dreams, let her do whatever she wants. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and my father is very um, logical and centered and grounded and, you know, took me to get my first bank account checking <laughs> nice. set up when I was, you know, like yeah. eight. <laughs> He's like, we will start him. early. We, we will start early and you will learn. Yeah. Which kudos to him for teaching his daughter that. Well, so, really, you know, listen, everything good. about being an entrepreneur, man, that guy set me up for really, really well. <laughs> so I have a lot of, I give him a lot of credit, but he also was the guy that was like, you know, good luck singing opera in the world. Yeah, exactly. You know, like with that, with that tone that we've all, <laughs> those of us who are in the arts have all heard, or those of us who had a dream of any sort and entrepreneurs have heard that tone of, yep. Mm, good luck. Exactly. Yeah. Good luck. Good luck. We'll see. You know, and look, he's a very loving Latin man who just wants his family close all the time. Mm-hmm. And here, here was his baby girl leaving the the nest, you know, to go to New York and he didn't like it. You know, he, he basically was like, I, I want you to come and live in Las Cruces, New Mexico forever and have a family here with me right by your side in the compound, yeah. you know, where everybody yeah. can be safe. So I remember he gave me $2,000 and he said, this is all you get. Go to New York and good luck and figure it out. And I thought, okay, I'll show you. And I, I landed <laughs> in New York with $2,000. And if anybody, I mean, this was like in 2007, so it's still quite expensive, yeah. but you know, in three days, I'd spent 1800 of it. Exactly. <laughs> I was going to say, it's New York. That's it's like New a York. hot second, 2000. Yeah. Exactly. You know, by the time you put down your deposit for your little tiny room that you're renting yeah. with, exactly. you know, two other people and, um, you know, the train tickets and everything. So I, I knew pretty quickly that I had to find a job very quickly, or I was going to have to go back home. Yeah. And so again, within three days, I found three jobs and they were like, singing at a church and cater waiter and course, you know, executive assistant. I, I love like, it because it's very typical art. Very <laughs> typical art, you know, and yeah. people think it's so glamorous and you're like, no, I got to find a job and I got to yeah, grind. Exactly. 
So that's what I did. And um, I never looked back to his, his chagrin. I think he, he was really anticipating I'd come home and I never did. <laughs> it's been, sorry, dad. At, I know. Sorry, but I go back, I go back home often to visit. So hopefully Good. that, that makes him happy. But anyway, that's how I got there. Then I did the path that we typically do in opera, which is you do a lot of auditions every year. You yeah. sing for young artist programs and things were going really well. Like I was, I was getting hired. I was singing a lot. Um, it seemed from the outset that, you know, I was doing exactly what I came to do. Right. But I remember there was a period of about four years there where I was on the road 10 months out of the year straight, yeah. you know, and I'd only come back to New York to change my suitcase or like figure out what season of clothes I needed to find yeah. <laughs> wherever I was going. And I was getting really burnt out. And um, I remember singing, um, I was actually at Syracuse Opera and I, I finished up the opera, you know, and you take your bow and there's like mm -hmm. lots of people clapping and it's gorgeous and beautiful. Yeah. And then I turned around and I walked home to the artist housing that they had for us in the snow, you know, and I'm from New Mexico. So Syracuse yeah. snow was like, <laughs> that's like a whole different realm. Realms, you know? <laughs> and so like I'm walking home in the snow and like I forgot to get groceries before the grocery store closed before the show started and the laundry machine was broken and I I think I had missed another birthday party of my brother's back home and I, and I was on my third failed relationship like no joke yeah. relationships yeah. were like a dime a dozen back then because yeah. I, I just couldn't sustain him right and I remember thinking I am so incredibly unhappy I'm so lonely and I'm so unhappy and everybody has said that I'm supposed to be happy. Like I'm doing right. it. I've reached my point exactly. here and yeah. I'm not. Mm -hmm. So I had to really take a long look in the mirror and um, I actually hired a coach myself to work with, to figure out what was going on. It came off the road. I slowed down for a while and I did a lot of deep internal work around looking at how I built that entire career. Exactly. From, you know, yeah. proving and uh, people pleasing and a need to just be safe and loved in the world, as opposed to really, what do I love to do? Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, that's, so that, it's such a, it's such a, like a common story that common, I think common to people in the business, not common to people on the outside where that loneliness piece that you mentioned too. And I remember somebody sitting next to me on a panel, you know, who is, um, very well known kind of in the movies and, you know, had yeah. always steady work, you know, and we were addressing like a whole bunch of theater students. And she was like, look, like you need to understand what the reality of this looks like. Mm -hmm. The reality is, is I was in an amazing house last new year's and on, you know, overlooking the water in California. She's like by myself. She's like, that's where mm -hmm. I'd spent Christmas and new year's. She's like, and the sacrifices that had to be made, you know, so it, you know, just to, to not look at the shiny version of it and actually remember that you are, you are a person mm -hmm. in that and to kind of stop yourself and have the, the wherewithal about you to, to put a stop to that. Cause it, it is very, everyone feeds, it's very much to their, to their advantage to keep you going in that. Yes. 100%, you know, and, yeah. and look, I, I also you know, when I tell this story, I'm very cognizant of, I don't ever want to blame the business because I don't actually uh -uh. think it's the business. No. I think it's, I, I, a lot of it has to do with the way that we are viewing life or our mindset yes. about it or yes. the choices we're making. I fully think you can be in that business and have a fulfilling life yep. and a career. I really do. I just think it takes something and it takes yes. going against the grain mm -hmm. and, and knowing that you have those options, which I didn't have that knowledge then, right. you know, to right. do it that way. Yeah. Knowing that you can choose no matter what situation you're in and knowing that 
you know, like you said, it does have a lot to do. It's not the business, but it's the perceptions about the business or it's mm-hmm. the, the people inside of the business that kind of keep perpetuating this, like, go, 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 go. Don't keep moving fast enough. So you can't examine exactly. what you're doing in that. But when you do slow down and examine, you can find the things that kind mm-hmm. of girl, how all the pieces fit together. It may not be in the traditional sense, but they still fit. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So then how did you make that leap then to coaching? From well, that? then, so, um, typical, you know, high achiever over here that needs to prove to the world <laughs> that you can do everything. Yeah. I joined a coach training program and here's the kicker. I did the coach training program because I wanted the fastest way to fix myself. <laughs> exactly. I didn't, I didn't join the coach training program to become a coach. Let's be clear. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah. like, how can I do this the quickest and fastest way at the highest gradient, right? Exactly. To self-torture over here. Yep. Right. And so I was like, I'm going to join this self, this, this coaching program. Cause then I'll have all the tools and the knowledge and I can really make a yeah. decision for my life. Yeah. Which is so like me and so ridiculous. But, um, I, so I joined the coach training program again, no intention of becoming a coach. And by month four, it was a 12 month training program, accomplishment coaching for those who are interested. I really can't say enough about them. They're incredible. And, um, by month four, I fell in love with coaching and I never found anything else in the world, you know, that I loved as much as music. And I was always looking, mind you, because I knew in the back of my head, I was not happy in in that career, but nothing, um, lit a fire in my soul, uh, the way that music did until I came across coaching and I really fell in love with the art of coaching, um, the industry, And for the first time, I saw something that I could really empower as a business instead of just something I love. Yeah. Um, And and I started training and I took the training very seriously and I started a business and that was eight years ago. And I haven't, I haven't looked back. It's been incredible, the journey. Um, And I get, yeah. And, and, you know, it takes a while to find out who you like to work with and and what kinds of clients you enjoy. And so of course, when I first started out, I was like, I'm going to work with opera singers and I'm going to fix all the opera singers in the world so that they're not <laughs> feeling like I was. And again, the less, you know, the universe yeah. was like, yeah, good luck. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, slow down, slow down tiger. And I ended up in these rooms with, um, C-suite executives, leaders and executives. So C-suites, upper level management, uh, even mid-level management, uh, rooms where I was just doing a lot of training and developing of leadership, but also um, through the Dare to Lead work with Brene Brown as well. Right. Um, training culture and, and tough conversations. Yeah. And I don't know. I, I think you, if you told me I end up in those rooms with like CEOs in tech or finance, I would have been like, what are you talking yeah. about? Like, you mean like at a show? Because. <laughs> Like I can, I can network them with them with a donor buddy if you like, (laughs) but, um, it was just, I I think, I think what makes me so successful in those rooms is the artist in me. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of beautiful people in those roles have forgotten that they are creative souls Mm -hmm. and they've forgotten, um, the artist side, the art, the artistry of what they do. Yeah. And so you have somebody like me coming in, reminding them of that, but also being very bold with them and holding them accountable to, mm-hmm. to bring that part of their life back and light up that fire in their companies and their business. Yeah. And, um, and that right now is a conversation I think is really needed in the world. Yes, absolutely. Which is a perfect segue to a transition. So well-played friend, well-played. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I mean, 
You speak a lot, a lot, which I, I love about kind of the high achieving women profile and, mm-hmm. you know, this, this new, I say new in, in quotes, for those of you listening, not watching idea that, you know, women are overworked and underappreciated, which is not a new idea, <laughs> but can you give us your two cents, you know, around that topic, especially for those of us who are listening, I'm saying us, because me included in that, who are high achieving women and we're recording this in November, 2021, the pandemic mm-hmm. is still, still a thing and we're tired. Yeah. So, you know, what yeah. are you seeing in the landscape out there in terms of that? Well, um, I like to say that, that COVID exposed all of the things that we were hiding from, you know, yes. um, I think everybody's, what is it? People are talking about right now. The hot topic is the great resignation. Yeah. yeah and somebody yeah. yesterday said the great reflection. And I was like, oh, yes, that's nice. That's better. that is actually what's happening. Right. Because this whole pandemic, I think forced us all to look at, um, our demons and the things that we were not willing to contend with. Exactly. And I think that's both personally and professionally in, in the corporate world and at work. And so this idea that, you know, like women are overworked. Yeah, you're right. Not a new concept at all, but it's all of a sudden fact. you had evidence for it and yeah. you got to see it because it wasn't working anymore. It just yeah. physically could not work when all of the support structures were taken away. And I don't, I, I don't want to make it just about women. Men, Men felt too. similar. Yeah, yeah. You know, similar um, pain points. But I think that women were the quickest to say, this isn't working. I know what we need and, and I'm out, you know, right. which is why we saw some women really leave the workforce because they were like, we have no other options and this is what we've got to do. Right. So um, what I love about what's happened is nobody can hide from the conversation anymore. <laughs> Yeah. You know, it's kind of obvious. It's glaringly <laughs> obvious in our supply chains and our companies with like hundreds of yeah. openings in our, you know, and I like, thank you for, for bringing men to the conversation as well too, because I know like my husband all of a sudden was having these realizations of what it looked like to yeah. be a, you know, a working parent and to have that kind of integration of worlds. And now he's holding space for his employees in a different way. And, you know, mm-hmm. so it has to, it has to be kind of this collective Mm-hmm. Um, you know, effort going forward, right? 100%. Yeah. I don't think it can be either or we have to help no. each other out. And um, that's what we're seeing. And I, and I think right now where we're at, you know, we're really seeing a new um, thought process of hiring and, re- and retention and yeah. employee benefits. You know, everybody's doing the same thing right now, which is like more, you know, unlimited PTO or, yeah. Um, yeah you know, flexibility in your schedule or a hybrid approach. And I actually think it's going to take more than just those, you know, those, those, um, things that everybody's trying. I don't want to call them canned responses, but they kind of are. are. It's been canned responses for a while. Like unlimited PTO has been the canned response to a kind of a hip workplace, you know, for, for a while. But I think you're right. I think it's, it's going to require people to actually, um, get into the details of their employees and understand and appreciate them as human beings and actually ask, how are you and mean it? You know? Yeah. It's Um, that's such a great point. Cause that's where, that's what I think is, is stopped taking this like umbrella approach to your employees or your company and get in there with your people Mm -hmm. ask you like Michelle, what do you need to be successful at this job? And how can I support you in getting that? And, um, it's going to be different and it's going to be overwhelming and you're going to have a million things to juggle as, you know, a leader of a company. 
And that's what it will take to rebuild your culture and have people invested and want to be, you know, on board with you. Yeah. And I think to your earlier point though, I think if some of even like our, our CEOs, entrepreneurs, right. Who have scaled to this point of now they're over, you know, even hundreds of employees, right. You have Mm -hmm. to remember that artistry in you, you have to remember that passion that got you going. And because sometimes, you know, I hope you would agree that like, sometimes the CEOs become removed, especially if they were like an entrepreneur of a startup, right. You become removed and you're so far away that it does feel overwhelming. I would imagine to try to get Mm -hmm. to know, but get creative with it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's not a one way approach. And, and if you open that up, the brainstorming part of it, there's so many ways you can be connected. It's such a great point. I I recently launched a company and I, and I'm realizing that my only job as a founder and a CEO, well, I won't say only, maybe that's a little, that's a little dramatic, (laughs) but one of my jobs is to hold the vision and the integrity of the vision for this company. And there are lots of ways to do that. But if I lose sight of that, then I'm not being the clearing for my culture. Right. Right. So um, I I think that's a great place to start for sure. Yeah. And identifying the values, right. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, speaking of dare to lead, you know, understanding kind of those value sets that your company holds, or that even if you're a solopreneur listening to this, like what are the values? And I mean, I'm talking like two or three, right. Not like everything but the kitchen sink when it comes to your values. And then Mm -hmm. using that as kind of that, that um, litmus test for whether you're on or off, like, is that, is that how you would approach even walking into a boardroom? I can imagine. Yeah. Well, I should ask. I I love it. I love where you're looking because one of the things Brene Brown does really, really well is she operationalizes things. Yes. Yes. So we take, we take a concept that we've all talked about again, something that's traditionally been lip service for all of us, Mm -hmm. you know, whether it's a mission or a vision or your values, and we find ways to actually put them in action, hold ourselves accountable and show results, actual ROI for their operation. Yeah. 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 So I think, I think that's where I typically start. You know, I I go in and I say, we look, we sit down and we say like, okay, what are your values of the company and why did you choose them? Let's revisit that because this is another thing. Companies are afraid to um, redo them. Yeah. Cause they're like, but we've stood for this. Like, it's like, it's like, you ask someone to do like a rebranding and they're like, but I love the color that I picked like 20 (laughs) years ago, even though it's not relevant to the times. Like, exactly. I mean, I feel like that's where like, I want to take those CEOs and remind them of that person they were when they started up. Right. And like shake them and be like, remember that thing when you were scrappy and like resilient and, Mm -hmm. you know, always Mm -hmm. moving and willing to evolve. Like let's get excited about that part. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And don't be afraid to shake it up again. Yeah. That's the thing. The, the more you hold on to the control and you don't actually go outside your comfort zone and take some risks again, that's when you stop growing. Right. right. That's when things stop and they slowly start to die. <laughs> exactly. You're either, you're either evolving or you're kind of dying, you know, um, not to be again, dramatic, but I mean, it's, it's true because time's not stopping, right. Yeah. Time trends, yeah. people, you know, are you evolving? Like there's so many things that are going to move past you if you mm-hmm. stay with that status quo. So it's, it's almost like when the, when the pandemic hit, you know, from my personal perspective, I viewed entrepreneurs as kind of the lucky ones because we were used to kind of that evolution, that pivoting, that I hate that word now, now after the pandemic, you know, so, you know, but what are you telling, you know, once you go past that step and I know we're slightly off topic, but I kind of like this is that, you know, once you go 
to that step and you're saying, okay, well, what were your values? Why were they there? You know, how do you move forward to change things? Well, from there, we create a plan and it says, okay, so where are we seeing these values show up and where are we not seeing them show up and why let's get curious. And by the way, this isn't just, uh, the C-suite right. <laughs> answering this is these questions. Yeah. This is everybody. Yeah. The whole company do some reviews, do three sixties, do whatever you have to do to listen and get feedback from your people and be in conversation with them. So that's the next step is looking for where you're out of alignment with them. And they're not being, um, they're not being lived. You're not living into Into your values. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we go look for those places. That's, that's literally what we do. We go look for the gap. And then from there we practice. And the thing that I, this next step, I think everybody always gets a little, this is where I think as humans, we think that we can get it right. Yeah. And <laughs> you, can't, yeah, get you right. can't get it right. Not, yeah. not even like, I don't care if you've been practicing these values for 20 years and you think you're really good at them. Like we're dealing yes. with humans. So right. it's, it's an ever-changing game. We were just speaking about it a minute ago, like, mm-hmm. but only like you have to give yourself some grace and space too, because what I was seeing from leadership was that like being especially middle management right now, where you have mm-hmm. a team above you to answer to a team below you to answer to you know, the pressure of the pandemic in your personal life, you know, Mm -hmm. and all of these different pressures, like the, it's never a level playing field. So it's going Mm -hmm. to need to have to adjust, right. As you're going through. 100%. Um, One of my favorite mentors, his name is Michael Madden. And actually when I was in the EA working my tail off as an opera singer, I remember one time he said to me, he said, man, this business would be perfect and flawless if only we didn't have humans. Exactly. Exactly. That's why I'm always like, if your business, like you can't, you can't say like, let's take the personal out of business. Cause if you have people involved, it's impossible. That's it, you know? And, and I think about that all the time. And what I love is, is coming to people and saying, look, especially when we're, we're talking about conversations about DEIB yes. or race yep. or, or equity. Um, I guess that's all in DEIB, but you know, if you're having the conversations to fix a problem, you're not in the right conversation. Yeah. It's not fixing. It's not fixing anything. It's being with and expanding and growing and meeting people where they're at. Right. So just because we're giving you all these tools and, and, you know, you're trying some things, if you're trying to get it right, to be successful at it, that's the thing I really encourage people to put down and instead look at it as practicing so that you can be in the moment with yeah. people. It's like being a singer. And I yeah, love that you're exactly. a singer. Cause you know, this, it's like, we practice yeah. all the time. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, get it right. But for me, at least when I was, when I was singing a ton and um, anybody who was doing that with me would laugh at this is that if I practiced too much, I would, there's a chance that I would literally skip pages of songs. Like, yes. because I had, I had automated it so much in my mind that, you know, there was one I looked over and a pianist was like flipping the pages. Cause he had nowhere, no idea where I jumped to. And I was in the middle of a yes. cathedral singing, but it was because I was on yes. autopilot yes. and I had tuned out to that connection that we needed from like a human perspective. Right. That's so good. Yeah. And for, for me, like I would spend hours and hours and hours practicing, trying to get a line, right. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Right. Cause that's what we yeah. were told. Like exactly. it must be perfect in order to be able to yep. do it. Right. Yeah. But then, you know, really where the magic happened and the art happened was when you stepped on stage and you let go of the perfection. Exactly. And instead you said, let's see what happens. 
we've prepared. And now the only thing to do is be in this moment with people and just see what happens. And I think that's, that is a big part of, of what we could bring to the corporate world um, right now, you know, with where people are at. Yeah. I mean, it's, you prepare, you know, you prepare for the worst hope for the best kind of thing, but at the same time, like you're exactly right. I mean, the arts in itself, for those of you who don't know that the purpose is to evoke an emotion, right? And there's no reason why that couldn't come into a boardroom or into a brick and mortar on the corner of main street. You know, I think people are craving the connection part of it way more than they're creating, craving like a bigger paycheck or unlimited PTO. And I'm not saying those things are bad because I think they're great, but I think it starts with, and correct me, you know, I want to hear your two cents on this is it starts with just asking somebody why they're showing up every day. It's a beautiful question. I tell people that are recruiting right now all the time. Have you asked people why they're interested in this role and what it means to them personally? That second part is very important because why are you interested in this role? will get you a canned answer. Right. Some levels, right. The second part will give you a little bit more insight. Exactly. And how can I support you yes. in where you want to go in the next five years because of your values, which could be something like, you know, I really want to support this company because I know they're doing great things for the world. You know, yeah. that might be one company that we're talking about, but really looking at the connection of what the person is here for meaning yes. like on this earth and what they believe in, mm-hmm. right? Their values, yeah. how that connects to the company, that's step two. And then what will you all do together for the next five years? Yeah. Right? Yeah. I, I mean, think that those are the conversations we have yeah. to start having. <laughs> well, of course, and your buy-in is a lot stronger that way too. And I and it's interesting because we talk about, about kind of that aspect of things when it comes to selling, mm-hmm. right? Like you need the connection, you need the common ground, you need the the alignment on a lot of levels, maybe not, you know, completely down to value set, but I'm wondering, like we do it with external clients, but we don't treat the people and the like internal clients who are the employees, which has always fascinated me because there's no imaginary line that's between. Yeah, exactly. And when you forget that you're, you're, you're kind of, you're just getting the inside out, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think you're not allowing people to, you're not, you don't, you don't know what you're dealing with at that point as a leader. You know, if you're going to kind of create this culture that is, I don't know if this is the right phrase, but kind of like surface level, you know, where you don't really know where kind of, you know, the feelings and the individuals lay on things like that's a scary Mm -hmm. thing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You don't know, like, then you're leaving it up to chance. Definitely. Definitely. So for our high achievers that are listening right now, (laughs) our high achieving women who are kind of at their, you know, at their maybe potential breaking point, but they're just really trying to, to get to that point where it's like, well, how do I, number one, balance doesn't exist, but how do I integrate things, you know, so that I can live the life that feels good to me? How would you, how would you proceed with that? Yeah. Uh, well, there's a couple of places I would have you start. So the first is to the balance conversation. Um, yeah. Thank you for no. saying it. It doesn't no. exist. If you didn't know, welcome to the party. <laughs> and Let us burst are. your bubble for you. Let us burst your bubble. But, but what does exist is your version of balance, which is mm-hmm. what you were just talking about integration. And so the first thing I will always remind people is um, you can have it all. You just can't do it all at once. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So we've got to really uh, take a look at what priorities are for you and what's the most important thing to you to have your life um, experience, even if it's just for this year, what does this year look like? And so that's my, might be where I have everybody start is take some time (laughs) in your 
amazing your, amount of in time. In your back timeless schedule. Your, in your timeless <laughs> schedule. 15 really, minutes, folks. 15 minutes. Yeah. 15 minutes is all it takes. And I really invite you to, if you could take out, you know, this whiteboard in your head even, and just write out one year from today, what you want your life to look like all circumstances removed. And I really stress that part, right? All circumstances removed, even a pandemic. Exactly. Put it aside for a second, right? And write out what you want the year to look like. Then we're getting closer to what you really want. And from there, um, get some support. You know, the the other thing is I I am a coach. I help lots of people all the time and I will never not have a coach for myself. Me too. too. Right? So it's like, it's nobody, is undeserving of support. You know, I like to say you don't need a coach. I I honestly don't believe people need coaches, but everybody deserves a coach. Exactly. And so if you can find people to support you, mentors, coaches, therapists, all of, all of these beautiful resources that are out there in the world now that people are, are finally embracing at a very big level. Yeah. And that lots of people are having access to for the first time, you know, in the world, which is a whole nother conversation about access. But, you know, that's where I would start is go get help with somebody who can have your back and stand for this to go differently for you so that you're not living the same patterns out. So that's the first place I would start for the ones that are on the breaking point with your employers. I would sit down and have an honest conversation, whether if you're looking to go um, interview or if you're actually looking to reinvent with your current employer, have an honest conversation, sit down and say, this is what I need to be successful. Right. And I, and I think for women, traditionally, we have had a really hard time saying that because we've been taught that that's not okay. It's impolite. Um, yeah. It's impolite. It's not great. And it will, it will be something that you get sucked down for, you know, yes. on the traditional path, mm-hmm. right? You're not yeah. playing the game. Right. Um, exactly. The coolest thing about this time in history is I think for once we have an opening yeah. <laughs> where you can say those things. And people will either be on board or they won't. But I think that that's, this is the time, especially in this market where everybody's looking, you know, it is a buyer's market. You, right. know? <laughs> like, right. you can, you can go find the place that has everything you need in your values and people are willing to work with you on that. Mm-hmm. And if you're interviewing with somebody or you're talking to your boss and they're simply unwilling, consider this is not the place for you to grow and thrive. Right. And right. And if that is used against you, again, against you and playing the game, like, again, to your point, if that's not the place for you to grow, at least there's, it's black and white at that point on exactly. some levels. Right. And there, you know. there are very seldom things that I will say are black and white in this world, but at least like you've, you've done the diligence to go and have the conversation so that there's no wondering there's, there's clarity of expectations and things like that. So then you can make an educated decision around what you want to do. Yeah. And, and when I say get clear about what you want, really get clear. Yes. Like what's the flexibility? Do you want to be in the office? How many days do you want to be in the office? What's the salary you want? And the salary sometimes trips people up because it's not like, well, I deserve to be paid, you know, a hundred thousand dollars more. And I've been underpaid for the last 20 years as a woman. Okay. That might be true, but how about we put that conversation down for a second and look at what would the extra hundred thousand dollars mean to you? Yeah. And what would it get in your life? And why is it important? What is it grounded in other than should or deserve? Because that's actually going to fuel you going and creating it. Yeah. As opposed to demanding it because, you know, everybody's doing it right now. Right. 
Right. I've seen, I have seen a lot of that. Like, well, go take advantage of it. Well, again, like be careful because sometimes like an extra hundred thousand dollars doesn't align with even what you want your life to look like, like to your earlier point. Right. You know, if you sit down and I often ask clients like, well, what do you want the first thought to to be that runs through your head when your eyes open before your feet hit the ground in the morning? Right. Yeah. Is it like, oh crap, I don't want to do this again. Or is it, there was one speaker that said once that she said, um, she started training herself to say I'm back. You know, when, when she opened her eyes in the morning, she's like, I'm back. back. I made it. Yeah. I mean, but I think it's even, even a step before kind of getting clear is remembering that you have the choice to get Mm -hmm. clear, right. Mm -hmm. At some point as adults, for some reason, we, we kind of have this, you know, marker in the ground of when we no longer have a choice and we need to just go on autopilot for the rest of our lives or like set it and forget it mentality. I mean, why do you think that people kind of get stuck in that? Well, I think there's a lot of reasons people get stuck. One, one of the common things I've heard, you know, I, and I want to be really clear about when we say, because I love, I love what you're, you're preaching, Michelle, because yeah. I believe it. everybody has choice. I've had people come to me and say, okay, but what about the single mother who, right. you know, right. is African-American, who can't get a, you know, nobody will hire her, yeah. who is yep. discriminated against, you know, constantly. What about her? She doesn't have choices. And I'm like, okay, there's a difference between circumstances and choices. And I want to, I really want to highlight that for people, right? Because we don't get to choose our circumstances. We don't get to choose that we had a pandemic, but we do get to choose who we be about them. And that's, that's the thing that you're speaking to, you know, which is everybody has choice about who you be. Mm -hmm. And that gives you access to possibility. Right. And that's really all we're doing with choice is the possibility of creating life on your terms exists amidst your circumstances. So it's never meant to override um, struggle or strife or hardships because yes, lots of inequality exists. There are things that are very unfair in our world. And I think personally, my opinion is your power comes from who you be about them. Yes. Yeah. And I think I like the fact that you said it opens up the possibility, right? Mm -hmm. If you already assume that something is a no-go because of whatever that may be. And it may be that it's a no-go fine, but you don't want to completely cut yourself off from the possibility line so that then, you know, that is direct going to directly going to reflect back to your emotions and how you are processing things and how you do retreat inward. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I mean, a lot of what we're speaking about is kind of the, like the studies they do on folks in the Holocaust and things like that, where they said, you know, the mentality and kind of that ability, you know, you can take our, you can take so much from us, but then our ability to kind of choose how to show up in the, in the adversity or in whatever the situations may be really defines you as a human being. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And your experience here. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, and that's good advice just for any leader period as well (laughs) is to remember, especially, you know, when you have that pressure from a board or you have that pressure from employees below is to remember, like there are some things that are out of your control and there are some things that are within your control. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Lovely. I love everything that you're saying. (laughs) Very much aligned. We're in the same wavelength here. We can just <laughs> go into the world being like, we are aligned. Um, so any kind of last, you know, last little bits that you want to drop for folks who are, you know, maybe struggling with this, I mean, with the great resignation, I love the great reflection that you said before with that kind of mentality right now, like, what would you like any last tidbits for them? Yeah, I think something I've been talking about with a lot of my clients, even this week recently has been this, this loneliness factor, you know? So remember 
we're what we're almost two years into this. And I think that everybody is just trying to figure out how to be again, whether it's, if you're going back in person or your cities have started to pick up, you know, yeah. uh, back to, you know, busyness right. or, you know, like me, you know, I'm on a computer screen 10 hours a day and then I get off and it's like, you know, what do you want to do? Do you want to go outside? Do you want to connect with people? Half the time I'm like, I don't want to connect No, with I just want to like retreat into a hole because exactly. I'm so sick of it talking so and looking tired. at my own face on a Zoom. Exactly. Yeah. You know, yeah. so, so I think the thing that I would offer is that wherever you're at is okay. Please just remember to be kind and compassionate to yourself. And that this is all, again, the reflection of what do you need and, and what are the things that you really want to welcome into your life versus you know, before when maybe we were tolerating things that we didn't necessarily want or need. So I just continue to, to look at it from that lens. If you, if you can, and remember that this is all, this is all leading, you know, to something new and different for everybody. And I really encourage you to, to keep the positivity on it from the lens of you get to create what's next. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and it's an empowering feeling. When that's, Mm -hmm. when that's the feeling that, you know, it's, and it's also very kind of calming when you know, whatever is thrown at you, you know, again, resilient entrepreneur here, whatever kind of comes your way that you can embrace the spectrum of emotions Mm -hmm. and you can maintain kind of that even keel or up or down or however you want to show up in that situation and then keep moving forward. Um, Well, thank you. This has been beautiful, beautiful holding of space. So thank you so much for this conversation. Tell folks, tell folks where they can find you and, and how they can work with you. Yeah, you can find me at elenaarmijo.com. That's my personal website. Um, you can also find me at the c-suite-collective.com. That does have a dash in it, the c-suite-collective.com. And that's a new company that we've launched that specifically is for everything we just talked about today, which is bringing massive support to organizations to have the conversations we just had. I love it. I love it so much. Yes. And it's so needed, whether you're a solo entrepreneur, whether you have hundreds underneath you, whatever it is compassion, empathy, all of those things are, are in style right now. (laughs) They they are. They're very fashion forward. (laughs) Yeah. So, well, thank you so much for being with me here today. Thank you, Michelle. So this conversation was just a really kind of, you know, a little mini breath of fresh air for me, because I really felt like when Melina and I came off the episode, we were both like, wow, we are very much aligned on a lot of this stuff. But the difference is, is that she's even more boots on the ground than I am. So that gave me a lot of confidence in the fact of kind of her reframing of things. And I really adore flipping kind of that great resignation to great transformation, right? Because maybe this is an opportunity. It may not feel like it, but oftentimes some opportunities are really painful, right? Transformation can be painful while going through it. Once you're through it, it's an absolutely incredible thing to have weathered, right? Same thing with adversity, what we're all about here, right? Resilience, embracing all the different emotions, remembering that there are humans involved and, you know, taking a step to embrace that part instead of doing the same thing that's always been done for the sake of, you know, I don't know, comfort, but, you know, so just keep that in mind and keep everything in mind that she said for you here, folks. And on next week's episode, I am joined by Andrea Freeman, and we are going to talk all about how the one thing that people kind of tend to forget when they're scaling a business is themselves, because as you scale your business, you need to do the work to scale you as a leader, as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, as a person, all of those things. And that is what we are speaking about. And you don't want to miss it. 
And if you love this podcast, please don't forget to subscribe, download, follow, rate, and review. And you know, tell a friend because who couldn't use a little more resilience in their life, right? See you later.